0: As you're seated, that picture of lies and mountains and shadows Could I just get you to think that. Just feels like it's a picture. Maybe it's because there's kids in the room, but of superhero Jesus, that the things that are in, in your life hopeless situations, sickness, lies that have been spoken over you, that that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to break it down, light it up knock it over, climb over what seems to be impossible. And our prayer is that that would be what you are experiencing in Jesus and that you are, you are experiencing that hope that someone greater than you is on your side. Amen? Thank you, worship team. Uh, again, Leah mentioned about the kids' activity boxes, but they're, those are at the back. But if uh, you need a parenting room for your baby or toddler, that room is still available for you to use on your own today. What's one of the most interesting words in your vocabulary? You've never been asked that in church before. What's your favorite word to say that feels good rolling off your lips? One of my favorites is discombobulated. That is a state you do not want to find me in when I walk on this stage dangerous for you and for me. How about bamboozled? Who here likes bamboozled? Say it with me, bamboozled. It's just fun to say. Who here has ever been persnickety? Hey, we have any persnickety people in the room? Kids, say this with me, kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope. This one's fun, quintessential. And then the words, above all words, if we're not talking about Jesus, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. (laughs) What is a word that you are known for saying or that you would use often? My three favorite words outside of Jesus, Leah, Brooklyn, and Boston. Gentlemen, take note. (laughs) What just happened there? You too can honor your wife in various ways, shape, and form. I thought there'd be more, more given out there. Today I'm speaking a message in the Wise Up series called Words of Wisdom. Words can bring a lot of joy and fun and life. Words can bring a lot of pain. Words are a huge gift to us. So much can happen because we have language that we can speak. But it's also the risk of huge problems that can get us into trouble. We can hurt other people with our words. We can bring hurt on ourselves. We spend the first number of years learning how to speak. And then we spend the rest of our years, learning how to speak well. And for the disciple of Jesus, learning to speak in love. Lovingly, honorably, and encouraging. The follower of Christ, our tongue, right here, is a huge part of our discipleship and is an important part of learning how to follow Jesus. When must we as followers of Christ what, pardon me, what must we do as followers of a Christ to allow our words and speech to become discipled? Cuz our discipled speech will allow us to be a greater reflection of Jesus, a larger blessing to the world, rather than having the Christians have their words become a hindrance and obstacle to the things of God. Your words ever been an obstacle to the gospel? Mine have. King Solomon in the book of Proverbs gives lots of good wisdom in regards to how we should use our word, and then Jesus knocks it out of the park when he identifies the source of the issue in regards to our words. Today we're going to look at both King Solomon and King Jesus to see what they had to say and apply it to our lives. But first, I'm going to tag team preach again because we've got the kids in the room, and give it up for my friend Dudley.
1: The words that come out of your mouth are powerful. Hey guys, it's me again, Douglas. And uh, I went to a rodeo last week. Yeah, it was awesome. Like a rodeo with like real cowboys, and there was all kinds of cool stuff. You know, there was lots of animals there, and there were, there were cowboys and tons and tons of people, and there was good food. And one of the coolest things that happened was the bull riding. Okay, so what they do is they've got they've got this bull, right, which is like a really big like boy cow, okay, and it's really mad. And they have the guy sit on the bull. And he has one hand that he kinda hangs onto this strap and then he puts the other hand like up in the air like this. And then he's gotta hang onto the bull for eight seconds. And when I heard them say eight seconds, I was like, eight seconds, that's like like nothing. I could do anything for eight seconds. And if you hang on for eight seconds and they'll judge how well you did, and uh, then whoever did the best, they win. But you can't win unless you hang on for eight seconds. And I'm just like, eight seconds, that seems like nothing. It's not nothing. Because the guy, he was on the bull, and he was strapped in, and he had his hand up in the air, and they opened the gate, and the buzzer sounded, and this bull ran out of this pen so fast, and the guy was hanging on there, and the bull is just shaking around. He's like, vroom, vroom, vroom. and I saw three people get thrown right off the bull in like three seconds. There was a big, there was a big timer up on the thing, and there weren't that many people who made it the whole eight seconds. And it was crazy to watch, you know, these people just getting thrown around like ragdolls. Man, those bulls were so powerful and and big and kind of scary. But you know what? The Bible says that you can tame a bull, right? You can tame pretty much any animal or at least put it in a cage, right? But you know what? You cannot tame your tongue. Yeah. Ah, Your tongue. And I'm not saying that your tongue is like the most powerful muscle in your body. What I'm saying is that with the words that you say you can do some pretty terrible things or some pretty great things. Our words have power to them. Our our words have the power to build people up or tear them down. And the Bible says that if you can control your tongue, you can do anything. But man, that can be hard. It's so easy to say mean things to people. It's so easy to lie. It's so easy to use our words to hurt other people. I heard somewhere that you have to hear seven good things about yourself to make up for one bad thing that you heard about yourself. So man, we gotta be really, really careful with our words. Our words can be scarier than a raging bull. And we gotta control our tongues for our whole lives. That's a lot longer than eight seconds. So my challenge to you guys is this. My challenge is that you would do your very, very best to use your words to build people up and to not tear them down. To use your words to encourage people and not discourage them to use your words to show people how awesome God is not how awesome you are because the words that you say and that I say
0: are powerful awesome thank you Douglas we're just learning to be friends I even got his name wrong this morning but before Douglas is a great preacher. He's articulate. He gets to the point. Some of you are going to stay on the way out. Dallas, you could have just left it at that because he didn't add anything to the message. I'll try to add a bit, but we can't go any further because he had me at bull riding. So enjoy 15 seconds of bull riding. You can let it go till 20 or 25 seconds if you didn't stop it. It's okay. That was one of the ones where he hangs on for dear life right to the very end. Proverbs 18, 20 to 21. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. What a powerful verse. Douglas was just talking about it. The tongue has so much power to bring life or death. And today, before we get into the discipleship portions of how we're supposed to use our tongue, I want to acknowledge that probably all of us in this room have been the recipient of a tongue being used against us in a harsh way, in an abusive way, that we have been hurt by words that have spoken by others so much to the point that it has actually affected our life and that we need healing or have received healing from that. And lots of us also in the same way have been the bully or been the abuser and used words in ways that hurt others. And that today I don't want us to be stuck at the point of of just what we've heard other people say or things of regret on just how we've used words towards others because Jesus came to heal and he came to speak life. Jesus speaks words of life over you and we're going to end the service with that. But throughout this message, if there are things as we talk about words that come to mind, I invite you to simply Basically, put that word in your hand and give it back to Jesus. That moment in your hand and give it over to Jesus and ask him to heal that memory. Douglas pointed out from James chapter 3 in verse 7 and 8, the section of Scripture is bigger, but it says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Is it any wonder that the way our words are used, our speech, how we use our tongue is an issue for our discipleship? The tongue has caused so many people so much trouble and it's also brought so much blessing. Proverbs 10, 31 to 32. We'll let Proverbs speak for itself a lot again today. From the mouth of the righteous comes the fruit of wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be silenced. The lips of the righteous know what finds favor, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. What you're going to catch through these Proverbs from King Solomon is kind of like wisdom and foolishness, good and evil in regards to how we use our words. Wrong words at the wrong time is foolishness. What are some wrong words at the wrong time? I'm sorry, but... Hey, I got caught in that the other day. Did you hear about so-and-so? I don't forgive. I just need to get something off my chest. Let's get it all on the table, all at once. Anybody says that to you? Say, how about a different day? What would you add to the list of words that don't actually come across as wise? Right words at the right time are wisdom, and they are amazing. Here's some wisdom words. I'm sorry. I forgive you. You were right. Yes, when you mean to say yes. No, when you mean to say no. Thank you. Tell me more. The story I'm telling myself is I'm thankful for. Could you help me, please? What would you add to the list? If it was easy to manage our tongue and our words, everyone would do it. But sometimes it seems like there's a very thin line between what is wise and what is foolish, and it can even depend on the person who you're talking to. You could say one thing to one person, and that's a wise statement, and you say it to somebody else, and it is very unwise. It takes wisdom to know how to use your words wisely. I believe the only time I got detention in school was in grade 7. I just finished writing a test, and I went up to the teacher at his desk and said, where do I put this stupid thing? (laughs) Mr. Graham, any comments? (laughs) To which my teacher, Mr. Varish, said, I will take it, but I don't appreciate you calling my test stupid. I will see you at lunch. I knew I had crossed a line. I went for detention, and at the end, he said, I worked hard. I don't appreciate that kind of language being used about my work. And I don't remember ever saying that again about his tests, but God uses people in authority to disciple us, and in a a society where nobody can speak anything about anybody without our individual rights being affected, we are removing the opportunity to be discipled by others, particularly authorities over our life. Will you allow yourself to be discipled by those around you? You see, the tension is that we want to have a voice. We have a voice. We have something to offer the world. We have good words to say. But in this world, it's been twisted to the point where it's only about the loudness of your voice, not even the wisdom in it and you're supposed to use your voice to the max because getting your voice out there is the most important thing and you can almost plug your ears to everything else but strength is not just exertion strength is also control it takes strength to push weight but it also takes strength to hold weight and re- and release it for the first time in my life i've had a period of time longer than 1 day where i've worked out at the gym i'm rather excited I felt healthy this summer for the first time in a long time. But, and thanks to Guy, we'll be able to throw a shout out to Guy, who's telling everybody he's my personal trainer. Because <laughs> he is, and so I'm grateful. But what Guy has taught me and not allowed me to do is to push hard or pull hard, and then when I get it to that point, just release it and hear that good sound of the weight smacking the weight bang, clang, look what I just lifted. No, he says I have to control and release it and that it takes strength and effort in both directions to pull and then to release. Why am I talking about that? Because it might take strength to use your voice, but it also takes strength to restrain your voice. And there are times that we should be holding or holding back or releasing slowly, not just letting our voice end with a bang and a clang. Today, I want you to know that your words are valuable, and I've got a loony here. Not because a loony is worth much anymore, you can't even get a coffee, but because it's got the color of gold, and I couldn't give out gold bullion today. Your words are valuable, they hold weight, and I wonder if you viewed your words as equity, how you might spend your words... Something that is of value, we either treasure or we spend, or we spend for treasure. And I would say that your words are some of the most treasured things that you can share with the world around you. Now, when it comes to words, some of you are big spenders. You'll get that one on the way home. Some of you don't spend enough. And you're a little too quiet for your own good. All of us need to spend our words well. How will you spend your words, wisely or unwisely? I want to talk about three ways that you can spend your words. There probably is more than that, but we'll look at three. So number one, just like money, we can spend our words wastefully. We can end up spending with what is meaningless. Meaningless. The ladies in the front row are laughing at me, and I must assumed it was behind me, but it's not. Okay, they're not laughing at me. They're laughing with me. Thank you. I'll start laughing. We can spend our words wastefully ending up with what is meaningless and with what doesn't last. So if you spend your money on what's kind of meaningless, it might be good for a while. My my go to is junk food, ice cream, all that good stuff. At certain times it's a treasure and a reward, but when you view yourself as somebody who deserves it every 6 hours, it's kind of more wasteful and meaningless. When you talk about the weather in perpetuity, it could be meaningless. When your only topic of conversation is politics for people that you are not in conversation with, or you only talk politics with those who have the same mindset as you because it's safer that way, because you can't have uh, safe dialogue debating ideas, and you're just talking about one area of politics, it's probably classified as meaningless. If when you step in the room, the only conversation that's having, being had, is your opinions, and nobody else gets a say, It's meaningless. Coarse joking. Rudeness. All meaningless. Proverbs 12, verse 23 says, The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. Don't go around and tell people they're a fool if they're blurting out folly, but keep it tucked in your mind because it gives you a better perspective than just getting frustrated. You can pray for them. This one I heard when I was a teenager and I just haven't only practiced it enough but it's always been in my head Proverbs 29:11 Fools give full vent to their rage but the wise bring calm in the end Fools give full vent Proverbs 18:2 Fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinions Your opinion always needs to be known There might be a proverb for you to look at. One area that I'm going to take opportunity to speak of for a couple minutes, because I think it applies to everybody in the room at certain times, where we're not to be wasteful in our language, that I don't think I've ever talked about before, is swearing. Now, why would the pastor have to talk to a bunch of Christians about swearing? Some of you are just horrified that Christians might swear. And some of you Christians in the room are saying, I'm horrified that he's going to talk about rules and what I'm allowed to not do and do-do because it's all I get permission to do whatever I want. I'm going to try to address both those. But first of all, let's get one thing off the table. When I'm talking about swearing, I'm not talking about using God's name in vain because that's in a category all to itself, and it's simply just stop it. If you use God's name in vain... You are taking that which is holy and to be honored and you're profaning it and you're using it in a way that takes the mighty name of God and uses it as a word for disgust and frustration. That is not to be named amongst the people of God. And for those of you that work with people who don't claim the name of God as their God and they use it like that, don't use it as an opportunity to beat them over the head. Be gracious and pray for them under your breath. See, swearing, and we we read about it with David and Goliath, it says that Goliath cursed David by his God, so cursing has been around forever. I'm curious to know who decides what's a swear word and what's a curse word and all that kind of stuff. Like, how did that all happen? I don't know, but my parents knew a lot. (laughs) Swearing, I heard defined as this, it's a lazy way to express frustration. What's the real definition of swearing? I don't know. The word can kind of probably depend on how you do it. I wasn't allowed to swear, so in grade five, I used to go behind the barn and behind the bales and curse a blue streak like you've never, ever heard because I wanted to know what it felt like and I didn't want to get in trouble. I'm the pastor who's confessed before this conversation that I've sworn more as a pastor than I did as a high school kid. So I'm preaching... At the choir including myself in regards to what we're supposed to be doing with our language it's in a discipleship issue why is it a discipleship issue because I think there are times where it's intentional and for impact and there's probably a way that it's to be used properly but rarely does someone swear because they think I'm in such great control right now I'm just gonna let her rip swearing often comes from a lack of control it's not the fruit of the spirit of self-control. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4 says, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Two types of water don't mix. Water and oil don't mix. Thanksgiving and cursing and swearing seems that do not mix. Can you swear and be a Christian? I think so, just like you can do a bunch of different things. What's the Holy Spirit working on in the discipleship area of your life? Because all I know is that no matter what you feel permission for today or have felt over the past couple years, in five or ten years from now, those should be such old school type of issues and you've matured and grown past them that he's working on different stuff. When it comes to swearing and how you use your language in this world out there, I don't know of much more that can start to set you apart from the crowd than how you use your language. I don't just mean swearing, even gossip and negative tone and criticism. You want to stand apart from Jesus. You don't even have to wear a Jesus T-shirt. Just use your language in a way that is contrary to the way everybody else speaks around you. My question is, do you want others to know that you are a Christian and for them to say, that's understandable that he would swear in that situation? Or would you want to be understood as the one who wow, something's really different about that. Even in that situation, he doesn't swear. I would. I wonder what's different. I try to tell lots of stories about me where I've messed up and made mistakes. Let me tell you about a time I got it right. Between grade 12 and and university on a summer, I've told this story, I think, once before, but I'm showing cattle, the. My uncle and my dad have trusted me with a big rig truck and trailer hauling thousands of dollars of purebred cattle across the countryside showing it. Nor- normally my cousin and I are showing. My cousin can't come so I get another young guy from our 4-H group and he's my helper and away we go and we, are, we show in Carlisle one day and then that night we're heading over to Estevan and halfway on that little highway with not much of a shoulder the tire on the truck blows out. Thankfully my dad had, had a uh, flat on, a, on that hauling with him another time, so I knew what to do. You have to unhook the big trailer full of all the cattle, and then you got to jack your, your truck up and do all that stuff. We did the whole thing, people going by slowly on the other side of the road. We get there, we get home, and within a couple days, my mom goes home from work because my mom and his mom works together, and she said, Ben said that your son didn't even swear when that happened. Very interesting to me on what people catch up. Maybe your language used in unwasteful ways can pay bigger dividends in the kingdom of God. Number two, just like money, we can spend our words recklessly, which is different than wastefully but have, have, and has worth, worse effects, ending up with harm, causing damage to those around us. When we think of our real money, we think of drugs, high-risk activities, gambling, pornography, um, all that kind of stuff. When it comes to our words, what would we spend them on that would bring recklessness, bring harm, gossip, using words as verbal or leading to physical violence, abuse, scheming, planning, For what is evil with our words? Proverbs chapter 13 verse 2 and 3 says, From the fruit of their lips people enjoy good things, but the unfaithful have an appetite for violence. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. The words you, I'm not a name it, claim it type of preaching dude, but if you actually practice saying all the words of a lifestyle and a type of experience that you don't want to have as a Christian, but that's the type of words you use, and you use them rashly, harm is going to come because your words set you in a direction that bring a certain fruit into your life. Guard your lip. Those who guard their lips will preserve their life. Proverbs 16, 27, 28. A scoundrel plots evil. Everybody say scoundrel. Another word that's fun to say and not to be. And on their lips, it is like a scorching fire. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. If you are listening to gossip, just enjoy it because when you leave, they will be gossiping about you. Do not trust a gossip. Well, the only thing you can trust a gossip about is that the gossip will continue and at the right moment, you become the, the food for the next conversation. It took me into my 20s to figure out that that's what happens. Proverbs 17, verse 20. One whose heart is corrupt does not prosper. One whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. Let your words become evil and evil will be set on you. What words have been spoken over you? Jesus wants to heal those. As Douglas preached, it can take seven positive words to make up for one negative. Are you adding to somebody's positive count or are you adding to their negative count? Number three, just like money, we can spend our words wisely, ending up with great outcome and investment. Just like we spend our monies investing in health, life-giving activities, hobbies, a bunch of people spending money on holidays this summer. I hope to do that soon. Spending in being generous with others. You can spend your money to give out encouraging words, to use your words and your person and your character for influence, to have prudent words, to have honest words. Scripture talks about a well-timed word in, in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Proverbs 15:23, the verse I was just referring to, a person finds joy in giving an, an apt reply and how good is a timely word. Proverbs 15:28, the heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Our words for others, done in a godly, loving way, even if they sting and are critical to help us and spoken to the person, are better than the kisses of an enemy. Proverbs 16, 21 to 24. The wise in heart are called discerning, and gracious words promote instruction. Prudence is a fountain of life to the prudent, but folly brings punishment to fools. The hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent, and their lips promote instruction. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Your words can be honeycomb and sweet and bring healing. When you invest and spend your words wisely, you bring life to the world around you. If you don't consider how you spend your words, you could miss your opportunity to invest and come up broke. Sometimes there's a window, an investment opportunity, and if you squander that opportunity, you miss the opportunity that's been afforded to, to you to be a blessing to those around you and to change the environment and the situation simply by your words. Not everyone in this room and in this world has the same availability to cash to invest, of cash to invest, but everyone has the same availability of words to invest in his kingdom. You've got something to spend. Spend your words wisely. Moving on to Jesus. Jesus was the master investor when it came to words. He knew when to correct, when to encourage. He knew how to have words of compassion. He knew how to love those. He knew how to challenge those disciples around him. He knew how to speak truth that, that pierced through confusion. When you think about some of those interactions he had with his disciples, with those who did not know him, with the Pharisees. Jesus, in speaking and teaching, says in Luke chapter 6, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Y'all catching that? Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Hello? You got trouble with what's speaking? Don't worry about trying to control the tip of your tongue. Try to control the base of your tongue that's attached to your heart. Because that's where those words flow from. Jesus is basically saying your words, your language are a gauge to what is going on in your heart. King Solomon said, stop it. Don't say that stuff. King Jesus said, follow me and you won't have to say that stuff. King Solomon said, get it under control. Jesus said, I have all control. Come unto me. You see, the goal is not simply to control what comes out of this mouth, but it is to change what would come out of this heart. You've got a word issue. Jesus would say to you, you actually have a heart issue. So how do you clean up a heart The wellspring of life. I was thinking about this and and I was reminded of that what happens on the farm. We have wells, lots of guys, that's where they get their water from on the farm and there comes a time you're, you're getting that water tested and it comes back and somehow bacteria has gotten in there. That water isn't as pure and as fresh as it's supposed to be and so you have to shock the well. And I'm here today to help you shock your heart. There might be a discipleship process to it, but it can start with getting a grip on the situation. So what is shocking a well? Shock chlorination is the process by which you take your water system and disinfect it using just typical household chlorine bleach. And it treats the bacterial contamination that can get in your home. You might take Take, I've seen guys take a gallon or two gallons of, of bleach and just dump it into their well so that they could shock it and get rid of the problem. So we're going to, I'm going to just, just give you something to shock it hard. I'm going to mix my metaphors. we going to go from shocking a well to you're in trouble and you have to call CAA. Call out the problem. Don't gloss over, don't minimize what the, the effect your words have or the type of words that you are using. If you are coming up angry, you got fear of men or anxiety, you got controls issues. If you're coming up with gossip, then you have critical and a judgmental spirit or you're feeling insecure about yourself, trying to make yourself feel better by making somebody else look bad. Did you catch that? Scheming, prideful, arrogant. What's coming up? And then you got to call out the problem. That's C. A, add the treatment. What's the treatment? Jesus. Mark chapter 1, Jesus is going around and says, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent is saying, I am wrong. This language is wrong. What's in my heart is wrong. Forgive me, I am wrong. Jesus, I need you. I come to you. Heal my heart and cleanse me and cleanse and transform my mind. Call out the problem. Add Jesus. Invite him in. And then the last A is adjust your lifestyle. Language is a hard habit to break. You need Jesus, and then you need to do some things differently. Do you need to stop listening to certain kinds of music? Just a hint, if you have to make a decision on if I'm listening to the clean version or the unclean version, you might want to evaluate what you're listening to. You might have to decide who you can hang around with or the type of conversations you'll have, what type of movies you're going to watch, what are you going to remove because it doesn't do good to shock the well and clean it up from all the bacteria and then enjoy a glass of clean water and let the the junk continue to flow in to cause trouble. The goal is not to just control what comes out, but it's to change your heart. We can run to Jesus. We can surrender to him. If we allow him to change our heart and the type of words to use, I believe we can better know him, we can better hear him, and we can better understand him because we will be using the language that better reflects him. You remember last week when Brandon was up here and he gave us that beautiful display of his dialect of the Cree language? And he said how it resonated deep within There's a reason why Paul writes in Ephesians that we're not supposed to have coarse language and rudeness and all that stuff coming out of our heart because it doesn't line up with the heart of God. You want to understand and hear and be in better communication with Jesus? Don't talk out of two sides of your mouth, oh, how holy you are, Jesus, and oh, what a loser that person is. Gossip and destruction out of one side, praise and blessing out of another. There's a scripture that goes in to talk about that. We have to surrender and allow our mouth to become pure and honorable in what we speak. And I believe the first place to start is to believe the words that Jesus has spoken over you. And what has he spoken over you? I may feel that I am weak, but he says I'm strong. I know I'm wounded. He says he's my healer. I know I can be unlovable. Jesus loves me. I am a sinner. He says I'm forgiven. I feel like I've been abandoned. He says I'm adopted. I feel like I'm broken. He says he's making me whole. I feel alone, but he says he is with me and he will never, ever leave me or forsake me. I can feel like I'm nothing special, but I am created in his image, fearfully and wonderfully made. There is no one like Jesus... And if you feel like you can only spew venom, then I believe that you haven't been hearing the true voice of Jesus in regards to his words over your life. And so the team is going to come quickly and we're just going to sing a portion of that song. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. And I want you to think about Jesus. Think about that most beautiful word of Jesus and allow him to come and to minister to you even as you sing this song and then we will we will close in prayer will you stand as we sing